Kia ora koutou. I'm Philip Atoli and welcome to Insight. This week, how good is the care in New Zealand's early learning centres? Over the past decade, participation in creches, kindergartens and home-based services has steadily increased to the point where almost all children starting school have had some form of early education. But funding has been largely frozen since 2010 and there's growing alarm about standards. RNZ's education correspondent John Gerritsen investigates whether cracks are emerging in New Zealand's early childhood system. These are some of the 200,000 children under the age of five who are enrolled in some form of early education and care. Latest figures show 97% of children will experience some form of early education before they start school, up from 90% in 2000, and most will be enrolled for two years or more. But the burgeoning enrolments hide another story. This is a sector under stress. Whistleblowers say some services are not safe and are deliberately and repeatedly falling short of the minimum regulations designed to protect our youngest and most vulnerable citizens. The Education Review Office is increasingly finding fault with early childhood centres and centre owners say they're struggling to find qualified teachers. By some calculations, there's been no real increase in per-child subsidy rates since 2008 and many services are struggling to get by. We were in a room that was licensed for 30 infants and toddlers under twos. Yeah, and so what, 30 just in a, one single room or are there several rooms that you were spread across? No, one single small space. How was that? It was awful. It was awful. Not only awful for the children, but awful for the teachers. And as I say, every day we made it a happy place. But, yeah, looking back, it's awful. This teacher, we'll call Karen, is so afraid of retaliation by her former employer, she spoke to Insight on condition of anonymity. She's one of several teachers who contacted Insight to share their direct experience of serious problems in the early childhood sector. Her voice has been altered to protect her identity. Our teachers were highly stressed. We were always living in flight mode, and if our teachers are living in flight mode, just imagine what is happening to our children every single day especially the ones that come from non-desirable homes. These children are constantly in a state of living in flight mode. It's not good enough. The woman says the centre she worked at should have had one teacher for every five children under the age of two. That's the legally required minimum level of staffing. But often that minimum was not met. Sometimes there were just five teachers in the room when there should have been seven. They obviously... We're supposed to be one to five ratio and under twos. More often than not, we would be running at 35 children in a room that was licensed for 30 with five teachers. A cook or a van driver or uh, the manager could quite easily put into the system that they were actually on the floor when they weren't. It's quite easy to work those numbers to make it look like you have staff. And there's a lot of times where we didn't have enough staff on the floor. And that van driver, that cook, were they actually on the floor? No, no, not at all. Was that safe? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. Despite the shortcomings in the under twos area, the teacher says she and her colleagues believed it was safer than the next room, which had as many as 50 children over the age of two. Often we'd keep our little babies to about two and a half to three years old because it wasn't safe in the next room. The next room was licensed for 50 children. 
and often you'd look over and the teachers weren't watching the children. There were ropes going around children's necks. There were children breaking bones. There were children receiving head injuries. And a lot of the time, these things weren't being documented by the staff. Yeah, it was really horrific to watch. And as I say, we did speak up within our company because that's the only way that you felt that you could speak up, but nothing was being done at all, ever. The teacher says when she complained about conditions, she was forced out of her job. She now works in another early childhood service where she's more than happy and standards of care are better. But she wants other teachers to know that they need to speak up and complain to the Education Ministry and to the Education Review Office when they see things going wrong. Another teacher who agreed to talk to Insight also wants protection for those who raise the alarm. She too fears the consequences of speaking out and we've altered her voice to protect her identity. This is what she witnessed in the early childhood centre where she worked until recently. So there's bullying towards children, there's bullying towards staff, there's mishandling of children and then when you go and tell the manager it's kind of swept under the carpet and teachers are just abusing children pretty much. The woman says one teacher at the centre was mistreating children physically and mentally. They're grabbing children to take them to the toilet, they're not respecting them, they're holding them down while they're sleeping, they're humiliating them, they're putting bark down their back and squeezing it onto their skin and then rubbing it in because maybe that child did it to another one. Teachers like this should be stood down and they're not. She believes the manhandling and abuse had a serious impact on the children. There was one child especially would come to me and ask where this particular teacher was and she would avoid her. You have children who were just wetting themselves because they didn't want this particular teacher to take them to the bathroom or to take them to, to for a nap because, you know, they were pretty much got her legs and was holding them down for a sleep. So, and then when the parents dropped them off, they were just screaming. So it's pretty rough. And that teacher's still working in the early childhood sector? Yep. And there's been no sanction on their behaviour or any? None at all. None that I'm aware of. When her complaints were not heeded, she took things further. I went to the ministry and I pretty much lost my job because of it. But I feel at the end of the day I did the best for the children. The woman says a big part of the problem was an early childhood centre owner who did not put the children's interests first. The centre I was last at, it was all about money, it wasn't about quality of care. It was adult-led, not child-led. So unless owners become responsible and understand what early childhood is about or the development of children, then it's never going to change. There are 4,500 licensed early childhood services and nearly 900 playgroups. So how common is bad practice? Some of the teachers are telling me that their working conditions are bad, that they're being asked to falsify records, for example, around ratios and health and safety issues. Documentation when ERO is due is common. Susan Bates runs a national support group for early childhood teachers, the Teachers Advocacy Group, which has about 1,400 members for its Facebook page. She says stories like those shared with Insight are not uncommon, but most teachers are too afraid to speak out. 
in order to make a complaint, teachers need to go through their management first, and many are too afraid because they're afraid for their jobs, they're afraid to get a name as a complainer or a stirrer. Others make complaints and they're swept under the rug. Others are in quite hierarchical management situations, so they might tell the person who's directly in charge of them it may go no further because those managers are afraid of the next person higher up. There isn't really a safe way to complain, and I've made some complaints to the ministry, but twice I made sure that I had resigned (laughs) before making those complaints. Susan Bates says a frequent contention that comes up is that services often do not have the legally required number of teachers. Many centres are going now for under twos, the ratio of one adult to four children under two, but that's often on paper and not in reality. I was recently with nine toddlers for quite lengthy times of the day as a reliever in a room. Explain how that happens, because with the toddlers, the ratio is uh, one to five, isn't Mm -hmm. it? So how can one teacher end up with nine children? I'm not sure how it happens, because as a reliever, I don't know the routines necessarily for the centre, but I just found myself in a room with nine children and no other teacher around. So How's that trying to deal with nine children under the age of two all by yourself? Well, that's quite challenging, especially if the children don't know you. But as a reliever too, I've been outside with 20 children, older children, and more. And I hear this a lot from teachers. Well, we can't do any care in that situation. We're just managing the crowd, managing the group. It's really tiring. I've heard of teachers going home in tears because they've just been under so much stress. Some centres are apparently using a loophole in the regulations, and Susan Bates thinks that's leaving children shortchanged and potentially unsafe. For example, the licence for an early childhood service like this one can cover a large number of children who are in separate rooms or even separate buildings. Susan Bates explains there might be the right number of teachers on paper, but not in the rooms where the children are being cared for. And that's not good for children. Children need their adults. And the group sizes, there's no limit on it. So you can have a lot of children with not enough adults and it's just not fair. The noise can get bad for everybody. Neglected children, it's, it's a sad sight. You mean neglected by the teachers within the confines of the early childhood centre? Well, yeah, children's needs not being met because teachers are just so busy. They're so busy. Similar concerns have been identified in regular surveys of early childhood teachers by the organisation Child Forum. A consistent theme that comes out from those surveys is concerns about group sizes, about having too many children within an early childhood service environment for teachers to cope with, concerns about noise level, concerns about stress that teachers are experiencing, concerns about funding, not just about the amount of funding, but about the funding not reaching the children and not being spent on the children as it should be. Sarah Alexander runs Child Forum and says there are also problems with teacher-child ratios. Work that we've done around ratios suggests that there's not a good understanding within the sector as to what the rules are around teacher-child ratios. For example, it can be common for... Uh, teachers who are not actively working with children who may be in the office or doing other things to be counted within ratio. And legally, that's against regulation. Dr Alexander says the surveys have found a lot of respondents are so unhappy with the quality of education and care at their workplace, they wouldn't send their own children there. An earlier survey that we did two years ago showed that approximately a quarter of all early childhood teachers that responded to the survey hypothetically if they had a child of their own, would not let their child attend a service 
of comparable quality to theirs or to their own service. Again, when we more recently repeated the survey and asked that question, we had 27% say that they would not let their child attend their service or a comparable one. The Child Forum survey is run online and invites teachers to opt in. Last year, 900 teachers responded. Critics say it's not representative, but Sarah Alexander says the similarity of the figures from the last two surveys suggests there's a real problem. There is a lot of bearing of heads in the sand when it comes to the operation of early childhood services and when it comes to licensing and regulation and review of services. One of the key problems that we've got here is that despite having a well-funded system, good supply of childcare, the Ministry of Education don't really know what's going on in services. She wants teachers to speak up for children. And it's not just teachers who are worried. My name's Maria Johnson and I've been involved with education actually for over 30 years and involved with early childhood education for 17 years. So I have six centres here in New Zealand and about to open a new centre up in Auckland as well. Maria Johnson is an early childhood centre owner. She says New Zealand used to offer top quality early childhood education, but that's no longer true. Many years ago we used to be recognised around the world as being leaders in early childhood education. Unfortunately that is starting to change now. And why is that starting to change? Uh, I think it's definitely around the quality of what's out there in early childhood education. It's changed significantly in the last 16 years, more so in the last 10. A lot of people entering our sector, opening up early childhood centres. A lot of people who don't have any educational background are opening up centres. And the quality of the teachers that we are now seeing in centres has deteriorated as well. When you say the quality of the teachers, is this qualified teachers? Absolutely. Qualified teachers, lack of them, massive shortage. It's actually reaching crisis point in many areas around New Zealand. Many centres are struggling to get 50% qualified staff in their centres. And it's really hard to find professional, ethical teachers with those that are actually qualified as well. They're far and few between. People are not choosing teaching as a career anymore. It's not paid enough and it's a big, big problem. Children's safety and the quality of their care and education is safeguarded by the Education Review Office, which visits and reviews early childhood services. It declined an interview request for the story on the basis that Insight was talking to the Education Minister, Chris Hipkins. But it provided figures that indicate there has been a slump in quality. In the last financial year, 1.5% of reviews discovered sufficiently serious concerns to warrant another review within a year, double the figure two years earlier. The percentage of reviews resulting in the next level of scrutiny, a return visit within two years, climbed from just over 8% to nearly 10%. And the percentage of reviews resulting in the gold star standard of a review in four years' time dropped from 14% to 11%. The Education Minister, Chris Hipkins, says the rise in poor review findings is due to an increase in the number of new services opening in the last couple of years. But he says the sector is under strain and there can be huge variation in quality. 
we're looking really closely at where the problem areas lie. One of the areas that we know we have challenges in are the smaller locally owned services where they might be a, a, an independent single service or they might be part of a very small group of services. Those services tend to be the ones who have the most quality concerns. They also tend to be the group of services that provide the highest quality as well. So there's a bit of a paradox there. But Chris Hipkins denies the review office and the education ministry are missing the problem centres. We've got a system which is good at identifying the problems. I'm not yet convinced that we're good enough at responding to those and dealing with them quickly enough. And that's where I think we've got to really focus in on how can we speed things up, how can we get the resources to the centres that we know are struggling, or into the communities where we know early childhood education isn't being provided enough and that there are kids missing out. The government is also considering new ways of intervening in centres that aren't up to scratch. Now that's difficult in the early childhood service compared to, say, schools, where the vast majority of schools are public schools, so you can intervene. The law allows us to go in and say, right, we'll remove a board of trustees and put a commissioner in. We don't have easy solutions like that in early childhood education because there's a mix of community-based services that are run by trusts, privately owned services that might be run by a family, corporate-owned services that are run by a large company. So the ability to intervene at that top level, at the governance management level, is much more difficult in early childhood education than it is in the school sector. The Education Ministry receives hundreds of complaints each year about problems ranging from children's safety to fraud, though it's rare for it to cancel services licences as a result. It can make surprise visits to centres and can put them on provisional licences if it has worries. It says at the start of February, 136 services were on such licences. The Early Childhood Council represents nearly 1,200 early childhood services. Its chief executive, Peter Reynolds, backs up claims that some centres are struggling to meet the minimum requirements. There are some services out there that the quality could definitely improve, and we see signals of that from people like Eero and the Ministry of Education. We, as a, an organisation, work to help some of those services where they can lift their game. There will always be a few rogues around the place, and, and we encourage the Ministry and Eero to spot those people and sort them out or take their licences away. Peter Reynolds is another who points to a shortage of qualified teachers as part of the problem. I think it is a, an issue of pressure for services. A lot of it's due to the teacher shortage at the moment. You just can't get teachers for love and money. People have been advertising for ages. There are over 400 teacher jobs advertised on SEEK and they're just not getting the applicants. There are some services out there that are really struggling to maintain ratio and stay above the 50% threshold that is required under regulation. You know, you can see this if you're out there in the community. So we need some support. Peter Reynolds says another factor is a long-standing shortage of funding from the government. He says per-child funding rates have not increased in real terms since 2008, and that's taking a heavy toll. Most services have lost in excess of $100,000 off their bottom line. Uh, services have tried in many respects to try and balance some of those shortfalls off by increasing parent fees, but there's only so much that you can do in that space. So the cracks will start to, to be represented in different places. In some cases it's in respect of staffing, ratios, that sort of thing. In other cases it's more likely to be in areas of maintenance undone. I know of an owner that hasn't taken any drawings out of their business since 2011 and it really does get to a point where people start to struggle and services start to close and we're certainly seeing that over the last 12-18 months. 
Kathy Wolfe is the Chief Executive of Te Rito Maioha, Early Childhood New Zealand, which represents 450 early childhood providers. She says reports of centres breaking the rules and operating with too few teachers are alarming. She believes shortcomings in care are happening in part because many centres are finding it hard to stay afloat. It's about services, you know, trying to think about how they're running their own businesses within the rules of having a licensed service. And, you know, I can understand services that potentially are cutting corners. We don't want them to be doing that. And again, it comes back to the holistic cause and effect of funding, you know, having qualified staff, having the right ratios. Cathy Wolfe says inadequate government funding is part of the problem. There's just been no new funding into early childhood for quite some time. From 2010, we had some challenges where there was a funding freeze for early childhood. So that needs to be addressed, and I'm confident that the government will address that. But coming back to that holistic view, in order to address all the quality issues, funding is part of that picture, not the only part of that picture. Cathy Wolfe says other problems include a lack of funding for ongoing teacher training and a shortage of qualified teachers. In fact, she believes the government's goal of requiring all services to have a teaching staff that is 80% qualified teachers within three years can't be reached under the current conditions. We're really also experiencing, like the compulsory sector, shortages of qualified teachers. The numbers that are coming through probably are not adequate yet, and I think we, we still have work to do. What are early childhood teachers being paid at the moment? What should they be paid? Entry salary is around 35k, and then at the top end they could be earning, and this is looking at senior and head teachers, maybe around 80k. Some people were saying to me that some qualified teachers are being offered pretty much minimum wage. Yeah, it just definitely is happening. Hopefully, it's not happening too much because. We really advocate for that that pay parity, but it it comes back to that funding conversation again around funding ECE correctly so employers actually can pay and acknowledge and reward our early childhood education. But surely they're getting paid enough now to pay qualified teachers more than the minimum wage. Surely that's just cost-cutting in order to protect profit. I'm not sure. I really don't know because we don't don't get involved in, in the pay and the hiring conditions of services. But I'd like to think that that's not the case. But even if the supply of government funding and quality teachers does increase, there will still be strong calls for tougher rules, especially for babies and toddlers. I've been painting them a different colour, yellow and green. 18 years ago, nearly 22,000 babies and toddlers were in early education and care. Now it's about 36,000. Centres must have one teacher for every five children under the age of two. That's better than the one to ten ratio for older children, but it's not as good as Australia, where the ratio for under twos is one to four, or England, where it's one to three. The director of Victoria University's Institute for Early Childhood Studies, Carmen Daly, says that needs to change. You can't be an adult who responds to every child and if you have too many children. So research has shown us that the ideal ratio with under two-year-olds is one to every three. Our regulations stipulate one is to five. Now, in some research, you actually find the term one is to four is good enough, but one is to three is ideal, and we really need to move to that ideal. But Professor Daly says there's another problem. She says under twos are often left in the care of staff with no qualifications at all. 
there is no regulation to require that those adults working with under two-year-olds have any kind of qualification. So what tends to happen often is that centres will put the least qualified staff with the youngest children, you know, on the assumption that you don't need to know much, all you need is somebody who's caring. Carmen Dali says teachers need more than that. Having someone who loves children is essential, but that love has to be informed by what it is that children actually need. We don't automatically love every child that we encounter. Some children actually put us off. So when you have a qualified adult working with children, that adult will know that they have to have a level of professional love, if you like, love informed by understanding that children need to be in stress-free environments. She believes the under-twos ratio and the lack of qualified teachers is resulting in poor quality care. We have anecdotal evidence and um, people who go into centres who know about early childhood settings come back with stories about seeing children ignored, children crying who are not picked up and even being told by, for example, management to don't pick them up because they'll get used to being picked up. So they have to get over crying by themselves. Now that is classic bad behaviour by adults. Professor Daly says that's bad for children because it creates stress and stress harms their development. Changing the teacher ratio for under two-year-olds would significantly increase the cost of their enrolments to the government. But Carmen Daly is adamant the spending is justified. Neurobiological research is very clear that the foundations for learning are in those early years. So we need to invest in our youngest citizens. Children have rights, like you and I do, to the best that the country has to offer. The best that we can offer these children are early childhood services where they can get what they need, the best that our country has to offer. The groups representing early childhood centre owners are open to a better ratio. Terito Maioha actively supports one to three, while the Early Childhood Council is happy to discuss a change, but notes that most providers already operate at one to four, and a better ratio will require more funding and more teachers. The Education Minister, Chris Hipkins, says ratios are on the government's agenda. One of the things that the current government is committed to doing is looking at whether we've got the child-to-teacher ratios right, whether we've got the minimum qualification level requirements for those teachers right. Those are both issues that are live for us. So we got elected on a, on a platform of ensuring that services were moving towards having fully qualified and registered teachers for those centre-based services and looking at the qualification levels required for home-based carers. That's one of the fastest growing parts of the early childhood system and it's the one that we know the least about in terms of the quality of the outcomes for the children. Chris Hipkins says he's expecting a blueprint for change by the end of this year and he assures teachers the government is focused on improving the quality of early childhood education. My message to those teachers who are working in the system toiling away and who have concerns at the moment is help is on the way. It won't happen overnight. We do have some work to do to prioritise what comes first, second and third, and that's not going to be an easy task because there's always going to be a limited bucket of money. But we are absolutely committed to improving quality and to dealing with any quality concerns that exist at the moment. Teachers will be eager to see the government's words turn into real improvements in children's care and education. But even with better ratios and more funding, it's likely there will still be early childhood services that break the rules. And when they do, 
the safety of our youngest children will rely on people who are brave enough to blow the whistle. That programme was written and presented by John Gerritsen. You can explore and listen to other insights from our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight or head to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, how well prepared are New Zealand's businesses and workers for artificial intelligence in the future? I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Join us again next time. Listener.